Or what? A newt. A newt? Well, I got better. We are recording. Shut up! You are listening to the Give Me Five podcast rendition of... Monty Python and the Holy Grail. For the record, I didn't start recording until about halfway through there. That was an abbreviated rendition. This is the Give Me Five Podcast, episode 107. And we are an anti-robot show about very entertaining... What the hell is this? That doesn't even make sense. Anyway. We're an anti-robot show. We have covered so many movies recently about robots turning bad. No, no, no. I I was referring to the statement, an anti-robot show about very entertaining things. That's just bad writing. We talk about pop culture, nostalgia, mu- music, and movies. That's bad reading. <laughs> that yeah. is. That is. My name is Rob. And as always, I'm joined by my co hosts, Greg. Hello. And Jimmy. Hello. So, Jimmy. inexplicably, which I told you this via, via text. So, we got done recording a little early last week. So, the wife was actually awake. And I was like, well, I've got to watch this movie with Tom Selleck and some spider robots. And uh, she's like, oh, is that the one with Gene Simmons? <laughs> like, yeah, she's like, it's like Runaway or something. And like, yeah, she's like, I've seen that. Your wife is awesome. So she's apparently seen it multiple times. It may or may not have to do with a member of her family having a crush on Tom Selleck. Ooh. Yeah. Didn't most in the eighties? Most women, yeah. I'm sure all of our moms. Yeah. I, I think that was the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's so dreamy. That just means we've got to kill Tom Selleck, guys. He's seventy four. <laughs> He's his own. He he made our moms feel things. Anyway, this week we've got the Mandalorian, the Lighthouse. Music from C2 and the Brothers Reed, and 1984's movie Runaway, starring Tom Selleck. And after we get done, we'll come up with a top five list for this week relating to our topics. This is a review show. There's going to be spoilers. There will I'm be pretty spoilers. sure you are not going to worry about us spoiling Runaway. No. There's going to be a very large possibility that you're going to be pissed if we spoil The Mandalorian as it just came out yesterday. Not everyone has Disney Plus yet. So we are going to give you lots of warning as to when The Mandalorian is. And you can stay or go whenever we talk about that. But don't say we didn't warn you. And not everyone is clicking on uh, links from Putlocker. That their friends send them. Thank you very much. I haven't yes. seen it. Ah, well, well, we'll make you go away when we record that part. That's fine. I don't like you. But guys anyway, yeah, it's worth not being spoiled. So, yeah, you do your best. Big oh, 
You're an evil, evil person, Jimmy. They don't know what that means. So I, I think leading the news section, we should talk about Disney Plus. Okay. Let's I didn't write anything down here, but I, I have I know some of the numbers and stuff. So what what do you got? I was gonna say I, I think well, I mean, maybe not amazing, but I have you guys had a chance to well, I know Jimmy hasn't because he he didn't subscribe to it yet, but I, have you had a chance to look through their catalog? Well, I read the entire catalog. I mean, at at six ninety nine, this is a freaking steal. Mm-hmm. Having access to the entire catalog that they offer to you, it is ridiculous. I was looking at some of this stuff. I had a friend tell me the other day he spent two hours watching the gummy bears. Gummy Bears was a cartoon that was on Saturday mornings in the eighties and it's mm-hmm. available on Disney plus. I was just, I watched a few, uh, Pixar shorts mm-hmm. with sure. a kid. Cause you know, five minutes here and there, I was able to watch the first episode of Chippendales rescue Rangers was actually the very first thing I watched. Cause everything else was kind of like hosed. Mm-hmm. And I, rem- I remembered it exactly. I was able to watch gargoyles first episode, mm-hmm. um, Darkwing duck. Yep. And of course, the Mandalorian, which we talked about, and I watched the Lady and the Tramp live action. Yeah, with the family. Just just the sheer volume of stuff that they have available for streaming on Disney Plus is well worth the six ninety nine. Yeah. And not to mention, when it comes to stuff like the movies, they actually have tabs where you can look at the extras without even owning the DVD. Like they have the deleted scenes, they have like the stuff with the commentary, they have documentaries about it, just all grouped together with that movie, and it's like. Holy crap, this is amazing. I was actually really surprised that Dumbo was on there, the live action one, because it just came out on video like a couple months ago. So I'm, right. I'm actually wondering what the turnover from a movie being in the theater to. Well, Endgame's on, on there too. Yeah. Well, D- Dumbo came out after Endgame, though. Oh, did it? Yeah. Oh. But one of the, I was, I, I was going to say that I was shocked, but I guess I'm not going to be like shocked, shocked that. Since it was just strictly since it was released, they've had over 10 million people sign up for it in the last 24 hours. Mm -hmm. That's that's amazing. I'm I'm wondering how that money works. Like I was trying to think about it today. I was like, okay, it's like six ninety nine, right? Um, so six ninety nine. 10 million, obviously that's, you know, what, seven, $70 million, $70 million each month. But that's still, I don't know if it pays for a lot of the rights and the service and stuff like that, but then you got to assume that there's going to be other, there's, you know, like Virgin airlines might pick it up and now you can watch every Disney thing while you're flying and they'll pay, they'll pay. And then hotels will pay all these other things. It's, I mean, it's, it's going to eventually get to the point of where it's just printing money. Well, I, I got to believe that that it would even because a lot of that stuff just isn't available and it's sitting in a vault somewhere doing earning absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. So with them putting it out there and people accessing it and paying for I mean, that's that's 70 million dollars a month, mm-hmm. a month, 70 million dollars sitting in a vault. Apparently, some of the stuff that is like uh, racially problematic or era problematic, they did put a warning at the beginning, but they didn't change it, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And and I got to believe that at some point it'll probably hurt the sales of future DVDs or DVD re-releases mm-hmm. that they that they pull out of the vault because stuff that's in the vault is actually on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. So stuff that's currently not available to buy is available for streaming on Disney Plus, which is I'm like 
crap. But if that's if that's tantalizing enough, and I gotta believe that the seven ninety nine price won't stick around. Mm-hmm. I gotta believe that I, I gotta believe that that's like an introductory thing to try and get people to sign up, and they're gonna up the price. You know, maybe in a year or so, they'll up it mm-hmm. to, to to come in line with Netflix at probably fourteen bucks a month. Mm-hmm. That's a hundred and forty million dollars a month. They said they expected like thirty million to fifty million customers by like twenty twenty five. Which is I, that, that's their projection in five years. Yeah, I, th- I think they might smash through that in like two years. I mean, we're all, we're already op- because that's not including the people who signed up early, is it? I mean, that's I, I heard sure. that was just since the that was just. Since I think the launch. it's everything. I think it's maybe I'm not sure. They didn't really give it that much of a breakdown. Hmm. Is Wayne's World on it yet? I'm sorry, it is not. Oh. That's Paramount, right? So that's unfortunate. But they did have other stuff that I was surprised was on there. And, and and for the life of me, I can't remember what that was now. But there were things that I was like, oh, crap, that's on here, too. Damn. A lot of the Fox stuff, too. Yeah. The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Not really child appropriate, but it's on there. Yep. What about Alien? All the rated R movies are not going to be on there. Those are going to Hulu. Really? Because Disney also owns Hulu. Ah. So it is worth it. It is what everyone is talking about, uh, including my students, right? <laughs> Which was actually funny because the students were talking about it for about 15 minutes on break. And then someone chimed in and was like, have you guys heard about this Disney Plus thing? Really? <laughs> That's literally what they were talking about for 15 minutes. But Let me guess who that was. You cannot guess with their name, but yes, you are right. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right. Okay. Jimmy, do you have any news? I actually do not. Okay. No, I do, but I'm going to tie it into something I'll talk about later. Okay. Then I have got a little bit of news that's going to turn into a snap decision. So that the snap decision, snap decision music actually plays at the correct time, as opposed to whatever happened in the podcast last week. Sorry. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog trailer is back after six months and it was because when they released it six months ago sonic looked completely ridiculous weird beady eyes uh mm-hmm. very long sexy legs which i did not like they were and very horrifying human teeth in this blue hedgehog thing mm-hmm. and they fixed him up and they made him basically look more cartoony and made him look a lot more like the game they shortened him up they you know made his head more i guess round less I don't know, long or big or whatever. No more weird teeth. They fixed the eyes. They did all sorts of stuff. And the trailer actually looked a lot better. Still ridiculous. But they did this change, of course, after fans freaked the hell out. Yeah. And you couldn't. And it was memes and complaints and people remaking it. Yeah, people remaking it and not surveys, but petitions, everything. Do we do you think we'll ever know how much it costs to redo all of those effects? Or only if it would help sell the movie, but I I think much later we'll definitely end up knowing if it fails because it's going to fail. It's going to be a colossal failure. 
a lot of people are happy. Disaster. A lot of people are happy with, I believe it's Paramount. And they said, you know, there's a lot of people basically saying, and this is, you never know with the internet. Cause everyone said that they were going to go see snakes on a plane too. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people said like a company finally listened to us. Let's give them our money. I am absolutely going to see it because of the kid situation. And there's not that many kid movies that come out. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it looks fun. It probably looks like it's in the same vein as the, the Pokemon movie or the Pikachu movie, which was good. And this one probably won't be, but it'll be. No, it's not fun. going to be mm-hmm. at all. It reminds me a little bit of a bad version of that movie hop for some reason, probably the same lead that could be why mm-hmm. I want the Easter bunny. But anyway, so this leads me into a snap decision. Yeah. And that snap decision is, since this is a major company, again, I believe Paramount, that actually listened to fans. And last week we talked about a company ignoring fans with the new Pokemon Sword and Shield game. And there's been more there too, but I can talk about that later if you feel like it. Do you feel it's a good thing for companies to listen to fan criticism online and make major changes to things accordingly. Generally, no. Uh, Because generally those people voicing their displeasure are wrong. Um, Unless you are one of us. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Specifically one of the three of us. Yeah. (laughs) And no one else. Otherwise. Oh man. You you're going to get caught up in rewrite and reshoot hell. And these movies are not going to make their money back. And no one's going to want to produce any more movies like that. Um, so, you know, whoever is uh, producing the uncharted movie, I read today that Tom Holland has been cast as Nathaniel Drake. And uh, I think it's awful. I think it's an awful casting choice. And uh, he seems with, awfully young. Yeah, he he seems awfully young. I think because he plays such a young. I mean, he's Peter Parker, but also I don't think he fits the body type. I don't think he looks like him. And Jimmy just body shamed Spider Man. I didn't body shame him. He's not shaped like him. Yeah, um, I like him like older. Because I like the fact that he, like, when he gets up, he complains and bitches. He's like, ugh. Like, when yeah. he's climbing up and stuff. That's, like, part of the... He's like, uh, I've been doing this for too long. Unless he's playing a young Nathan Drake, then... But still, if he's playing a young Nathan Drake, he's too old. And it's... I don't know. I think it's a bad choice. I think that's good criticism. But for little nitpicky things, hey, this character's hair isn't long enough. Like, yeah, I don't... I, I think generally it's not a good idea. But what do I know? We only predict all the entertainment shit that happens, so whatever. And you, Rob? I would I would pretty much have to agree with Jimmy. Um I think as a as a general practice, it's probably not the greatest idea to listen to people having knee jerk reactions over the internet. Um the internet's very toxic and people pretty much only use the internet to complain. Yep. So yes, complain. That's hmm. what I do. Hmm. 
but yeah, I, I, I think it's probably a bad, a bad idea as a general practice to listen to people. Now, if you, if you listen to the complaints that they have and notice, okay, yeah, we missed that, that, that could be a valid issue or something that people would, you know, that, that might upset people or might, or might have an issue. It's perfectly okay to go ahead and fix that. But to, to generally use that as your gauge, no, I, I, I certainly would not. So not the complaint of one or two very loud people, but if hundreds or thousands of people are making note of something, now it's a marketing decision. I mean, but again, hundreds, hundreds or even thousands isn't necessarily a huge market share. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just that's even at thousands, that's still just a vocal minority, Mm -hmm. unless it's something that you deem might be offensive to an overall, you know, encompassing uh, uh, demographic or something. I probably would leave it alone. Yeah, there's a part of me that thinks that all of these companies know these things beforehand yeah so like the the glaring example that comes out to me is the the star wars battlefront they knew that the content was light they knew that their game sucked and they knew that that they they had the slammed if they did loot boxes and things like that and they knew that they had the only license (laughs) yeah so the fan criticism was something they already knew and they chose not to do anything about it and what could have been a great game with a long lifespan died on the vine for the most part. Yeah. And, and, and they damn near lost their exclusive license mm-hmm. because there, th- there was so much uproar over that game. And I think others was, was galaxy of heroes part of that? Or was it strictly? Yeah, just it's, it's very possible. They're going to lose their license in the next couple of years. I, I think when it comes up for renewal that they'll probably, that they'll probably address that, mm-hmm. but they they damn near lost the exclusive license to the Star Wars games. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, that was Snap Decisions. Thank you for the answers, guys. Ooh. That was very positive, right? That was very, very positive thoughts there, because we're about to head into Florida time. <laughs> oh boy! Who did what this week? Well, I can't talk about it until. There's a little bit of music. Florida song? No one? Oh, no. I thought you were playing music. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm just, I was, just I was, waiting for you to play it. All right, now my camera's in a weird spot, so I was trying to, like, bring it. Weird shit in Florida. Florida. Woo! It's time for some weird shit. I got nothing. I'm going to have to write something. Excellent. Okay. Yeah, thanks. This happened literally right after we got done recording last week, and I was just about to go to bed, and I saw it, and I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? you got to be shitting me. <laughs> well, we all are fans of Disney. We just talked about Disney. Rob, you go to Disney a lot. I do. Um, and uh, have you ever been so excited that you've decided to, I don't know, take a little more of a souvenir from a from one of the princesses in the photo. Uh, oh, photo I heard about this. Yeah. So this is weird on all of the different levels, but first of all, we joke about this kind of stuff. This guy's an asshole. All three of us would beat the shit out of this guy if we saw him do what he did. So we're not making fun of the poor girl that was doing her job 
and yeah. trying to make children smile. So that part is not going to be talked about. However, let's talk about Mr. Brian Sherman, 51, from somewhere in Florida, clearly. He is a convicted sex offender. He went to Disney and was very excited to meet Ariel. Also known as an asshat, I believe. Yes, yes. A douche canoe. And uh, so he was so excited to meet Ariel. In fact, he was so excited he told her. He's like, I'm so excited to finally meet you. And he was there with his wife. Which, which, how the fuck? Yeah. And his wife was on one side of her. He was on the other side of her. And he, like, sat down and they got really close. They kind of pinned her in the middle. And he put his arm over her shoulder and reached down and grabbed Ariel's uh, breast. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, douchebag. The story is with the couple flanking her, a worker, the photographer was very smart and took the picture so that they could find the guy. I mean, he was going to take the picture anyway, but still. He first placed his arm around her shoulder and told her how much he loved her. And the Disney worker, the photographer, kind of came in and was like, Now, can you move the arm off? Because they're not supposed to do that. But they do it nicely, thinking, Okay, this person just got too excited, whatever. Which is true, not in the right way. So, you're not really supposed to, like, take the picture with someone like grabbing onto them and like hugging mm -hmm. them or doing anything like that. Um, so the victim was actually immediately uncomfortable with this. And then the guy proceeded as he was moving his hand to cup and lift her right breast for several seconds. And he could feel her, him trying to seek out her. Uh, yeah. Well, we're not going to go too deep there, but anyway, um, they got the picture of the guy kicked him out. Or he left, and then, of course, they shut down the thing because the girl was very traumatized, and uh, he ended up getting arrested. He was released on a $500 bond. Turns out this guy was convicted in 1991 on four felonies related to the sexual abuse of victims under the age of 12, asshole. Oh, God. Uh, he was only sentenced to two years of house arrest for whatever reason, placed on probation for 15 years, uh, which expired, and it was terminated in late 2006, but, now, of course, it's going to be back on. And um, they're asking people, if you have been assaulted by this person, to let us know. Uh, the picture of him, he uh, is yet another chinless wonder. So, you suck. All right. Let's and, go ahead uh, and uh, call this. So, uh, stupid floor. that is uh, Brian Sherman. Um, yes. He is, let's see. Let's uh, let's shame this asshole right now. He's 51. He's from Orlando. If you have any information or have been affected by this idiot, uh, contact the Orlando Police Department and uh, put this asshole away for a long time. I I can't understand. I read that and it was like his wife. I'm like, how? It's is she okay? Like, you know, just a lot of wrong there and a lot That's of... That's a good way of putting it because it's entirely possible that it's just one of those situations where he's so, like, domineering. Or... or he's like, I'm going to do might, this and you're going to deal with it. Like, oh, that's just him. Might, no, she might not, you know, have yeah. everything going together up there, but yeah, uh, fuck this guy and uh, as far as I'm concerned, throw him in a meat grinder. Yeah. Yeah. And in a kind of related Florida story, someone did try to burn down my favorite roast beef place last night in Orlando for some reason. Still not beefy sure why. King? Yep, someone tried to burn down Beefy King last night. Uh, wow. Was it arson or did that, was that an accident? 
Oh no, it was arson. They caught it. There's like a video of him like trying to light like a Molotov cocktail on the back of the store. Did he have a shirt on that said "Meet His Murder" or something? I was wondering about that because they said yeah. that they actually arrested him next door at the, at the Drunken Monkey, which is a vegan. vegan oh, yeah, but he didn't look like he didn't look super hippie. Yeah, you can but, never tell. Okay. Yeah. Vegans, let me eat my roast beef in peace. Okay, so let's actually start the show here. And we are going to, despite what the script says, I think start with the lighthouse. Is that copacetic? Sure. Yeah. Okay, let's do it. Because that's all Jimmy. Okay, so that I think Jimmy's the only one that saw that. Yeah, and it uh, it's so much more fun to talk about when when you know everybody else has seen it. But it. Uh, oh wait, we can actually play our game. And now Rob oh. talks about a movie that he hasn't seen. All right, Rob, give me the plot for the lighthouse. Well, The Lighthouse is a movie set in the 1800s about a whaling ship that has gone out to sea and is trying to come back in, but the lighthouse is not is not working properly, and they end up smashing on the rocks, and then all of the sailors end up haunting the lighthouse, and it's actually a horror movie. There's a small part of that that it's kind of... There is a lighthouse in it. <laughs> <laughs> So I will get to the part that you are kind of correct about here in a second. Uh, the Lighthouse is the sophomore effort from director of The Witch, Robert Eggers, uh, who I admittedly was not a fan of the first time I saw it. I was expecting something completely different. But this review is not about The Witch. It is about The Lighthouse movie stars Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. Now, there is a fascinating true story behind this, and I won't get too much into it, but the story here altered the way lighthouses were staffed up until, I think, the 80s when uh, a lot of lighthouses were made automated. You can hear more about the stories of Mr. Thomas Howell and Mr. Thomas Griffith who were two keepers at the Smalls Lighthouse in Wales on the podcast Lore, episode number 23, Rope and Railing. Oh, that was a good one. It was. It was very early. It's very short. Um, so check it out. That was, that's actually one of my favorite yeah. ones. Really, really fantastic. There's a lot of uh, elements from that. Um, a lot of kind of what ifs uh, in this movie. Like I said, it stars Robert Pattinson playing Ephraim Winslow and Willem Dafoe as Thomas Wick. And Thomas Wick, played by Willem Dafoe, is the veteran keeper or wiki um, with a dark present, I wrote. And Winslow, played by Pattinson, is a greenhorn uh, with a murky past. Ooh. Is his parents were killed in an alley after seeing a movie. That's his murky past. Game's over. Game's over. Rob's already guessed it all. Um, Fine. Be that way. And what I wrote here is it's business as usual on an unnamed rock off the coast of Newfoundland. 
And uh, the men, the two staffed lighthouse keepers, uh, go about their days tending to the lighthouse during their four-week assignment. And it's very hard work with Greenhorn Winslow doing most of the work while Wick is the keeper and refuses to let uh, the young Greenhorn into the actual lit area of the lighthouse. Um, to add to the isolated and claustrophobic um, feeling of the movie, it's shot at a ratio aspect ratio of one nineteen one, So it gives a, a very narrow feel. And um, not, I love when cinematographers do that when they change up, yeah, the way they're shooting stuff and the way they're looking at things. That's really cool. Yeah, and um, I, a lot of people aren't into it, but the movie is black and white, uh, which I I do think helps the movie. But I would have been, I think, just as in love with it if it were in color. Uh, yes, I loved it. I've been looking forward to this movie for such a long time. I thought it was absolutely fantastic the men start to uh come unglued a little bit after their i don't want to say rescue but their relief doesn't show up due to bad weather um they drive each other crazy they're driven crazy by the elements there are some different aspects of marine lore in there with some hallucinations involving mermaids or merfolk. Oh, all right. There are some Lovecraftian elements, uh, lots of uh, tentacles growing out of people. I was hoping you'd say tentacles. I did. I wanted yeah. to see some giant tentacles. Like, I, when I think lighthouse, I think giant tentacles, like wrapping and doing tentacle things. Not so much around the lighthouse, but there are certainly some, whether they're hallucinations or not, that's for you to decide. And that brings me to one of these superstitions that Rob touched on as Willem Dafoe's character. Like I said, he's the veteran. He's grizzled. Um, he knows all the things to do, all the superstitions, all the things not to do. And one of those things that you should never do is kill a gull because it is said that the gulls as in seagull seagulls the seagulls are the manifestations of sailors lost at sea uh, which is obviously going to be a bad idea there is uh there's i like that kind of spooky lore as well it it's very it creates a lot of tension between a certain seagull and Robert Pattinson's character, because you're sitting there going, "Oh no, he's gonna, he's gonna do it." Oh. Mine, right, so, mine, so, at what point did this turn into Alfred Hitchcock's *The Birds*? Mine, 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 mine. That happened um, shortly after there's no sign of rescue, when they realize mm -hmm. that they're they're trapped at their post. And uh, one of the seagulls, it, it, they appear to be in cahoots a little bit. The, the movie is not completely about the seagulls. It's it's a lot of the marine lore, the superstition, what kind of supernatural uh, cosmic power.
powers Willem Dafoe's character has, if he does have any. And there's a lot of alcohol involved in this movie. So, oh, um, yeah. not in a good way. <laughs> no, boy. Uh, there's a, a beautiful, just an absolutely wonderful monologue, I guess, by Willem Dafoe in the movie. You can look it up. If you Google spoiler-free hilarious scene from the lighthouse, you can watch it. Um, Willem Dafoe, after a, a long night of drinking, curses Willem, uh, not Willem, uh, Robert Pattinson's character. And it's all because Winslow uh, disagreed with Wick's cooking. <laughs> so never insult another man's cooking. Uh, I highly recommend that if you can see this movie while it's still in the theaters, if it sounds something, it's a very sweaty, grimy, dirty movie with two guys living in very close quarters. So you can imagine that there are. Where'd Rob go? He just grabbed his wallet and ran out the door. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's it's got Don't a threaten very, me with a good time. <laughs> it's got a very squeezed tight feel to it. I think it helped that they kind of were showing it in the theater that they kind of relegate to the movies that are on their way out. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely worth checking out. Worth the investment when it comes out. Rent it for three bucks. Give it. It's a solid two hours. So uh, check it out. You guys have any questions about the movie? Well, you just very successfully sold a movie to me that involved a drunken Robert Pattinson arguing with the seagull. So you did a good job there. Yeah, um, it sure does. That the sounds like a good eye. that sounds like a good use of two hours, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Seagull's got one eye. He's all surly. <laughs> threatening him. And they just I mean, to, so, to so it's more like crazy. Mine. Mine. Yeah. Mine. Yeah. If the seagull were to have a voice, there's uh there's a part that uh, Pattinson's trying to get into a, a building, and the seagull is standing in front of the door, and he's trying to shoot him away. The seagull keeps, staring at him. Yeah, the seagull keeps walking towards him, stepping towards him. So the seagull in this movie did a great job. Hopefully, he gets some kind of award. Um, exactly like that. Rob is moving slowly towards the camera, so... There's your visual. I would have loved to have seen this movie and the Indian. Hopefully it gains that kind of cult following in the long run, because I certainly think it could. Fun Halloween movie over there. Get some, get some fish sticks and yeah. Seagull, yeah. Seagull fingers. That means you're a gay fish. No, yes. no idea how funny that is uh, in context with the movie. So uh, awesome. go out, check it out. Let me know what you think. Very cool. Well, Jimmy, Yes, sir. You've um, spoken quite a bit, but I, I think you're going to probably be speaking again. Yeah. Because. About- well, wait a minute. You're rating. Oh, rating. Yeah. See it in the theater. On the lighthouse. In the theater? If you still can, you might be the only one in the theater, uh, which makes it even better. Um, I was in there. There were three, four. There were four other people in the theater. And uh, it was a it was a great time. I we talked about how claustrophobic it is. So if you yeah. guys go and see it in the theater, and there's one other person in there, I want you to sit in the seat right next to them. Yeah, uh, just walk in. Oh, and sit right next to them. 
probably hey, not going to have the same feel when it comes out, though I will be buying it on Blu-ray. So opening wow. night, sure, because there'd be one or two other people in there. All right. Fair Very enough. Cool. Yeah. So so we got two more things here before we get to our crazy 80s movie, yes. Runaway. So we got C2 and the Brothers Reed. Mm-hmm. And we've got The Mandalorian. Do you guys want to do The Mandalorian next or C2 and the Brothers Reed? Well, I'll be very brief about C2 and the Brothers Reed. Okay. If you do C2 that. and the Brothers Reed, Jimmy. Do that. So Jimmy. C2 and the Brothers Reed, they are... Do a, all of them. They are a rocket. I would. You would. <laughs> one of Jimmy them wants tried. to have their baby. No, one of them tried. Um, I saw them open for the... Uh, I'm going to say the world's greatest Led Zeppelin tribute band, Sozo. And they, uh, I don't know what I was expecting from a band that was opening for a cover band. Not much. Mm -hmm. But for these young dudes from Kentucky, they fucking rock, man. Uh, They are that band, I've said it last time, that every time I let Spotify go and do its thing, and it started, plays random music for me, a song by them will come on. And I, I'm just like, man, this is fucking good. What is this? I'll pick up my phone at C2 and Brother Street. Um, no exception with their new material. The, uh, I want to say new music, but it's really not. came out in April, so shame on me. Uh, the track is called Molly. It is, a, it is not about drugs. Um, is it about a girl named Molly? Yeah. Yeah, more or less. So, uh, they're she's a fine girl. (laughs) That was Brandy. Sixteen candles down the drain. Yes, that Molly Ringwald. Yeah, uh, Sponge did a song called Molly about Molly Ringwald. Anyway, continue. Continue. (laughs) We are derailing Jimmy. We are. It is. It's called banter, Rob. Yeah, the the voice that comes out of the the young man who who sings for C2 and the Brothers Reed is it's big it's uh mm. soulful um fantastic it it this track Molly in particular it, it rocks you know it's very stompy it builds yeah it builds it builds it like it goes to a crescendo and then kind of goes back and then it really just kind of kind of takes mm-hmm. it off so um, if you are into some real, you know, rock and roll with some, I guess, some Southern influence. Um, check I think that's out. the best way to describe a lot of these bands we've been well, kind of catching recently. Very bluesy. It's, like Southern, it's, it's Southern influence rock and roll. It's not like when you think Southern rock, you think of stuff not like Leonard Skinner and all that. Yeah. But, but it's mostly rock with just a little hint of it. So you get your like uh dirty honey last week, this band, uh, Rival Sons, which I like a lot, where you can definitely hear the Southern influence, but it's not straight up, you know, Sweet Home Alabama. Exactly. Um, their local lyrical content really doesn't deal with the South, but it, it's got that touch. It's got the blues kind of feel to it. Definitely check out C2 and the Brothers Read. And if you are lucky enough to see them live, it is absolutely worth it. So check those guys out and um, enjoy. It's nice that my child inexplicably decided to start playing the drums that he got two years ago that he's played twice right now. Hang on. This is awesome. There you go. 
put the omnidirectional on your microphone and let's let's have ourselves a little. He, he kind of stopped. Tell him to keep going. I didn't hear anything until you said something. I know because I muted the microphone as soon as he started. Uh, uh, now we're onto the keyboard. And he's probably got them right outside your door. Uh, Listen to what I'm doing, Daddy. Yeah. Pay attention to me. This could have been the Florida Man theme song. Got an idea. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Holy shit, guys. We have a live action Star Wars TV show. (gasps) We do. After countless starts and stops. All the way from the 70s. I'm sure they were trying to do it. It's early 80s. I'm sure there was stuff in the 90s. There had been talk of it more recently. Disney Plus previously talked about. They have got The Mandalorian. And just a little bit about this. It is the travails of a lone gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy, far from the authority of the New Republic. It is written by John Favreau, the underrated John Favreau, by the way. Mm-hmm. Gutter from PCU. Gutter from PCU. In swingers. I mean, he's he he's fucking he pretty much was the beginning of the Marvel universe because he did such a good job writing Iron Man and directing Iron Man for that matter. Right, but he's he's happy. Tony's yeah, yeah, he's happy. He's happy, true. But on a creative level, not enough credit given to him because he's just always pretty good. I won't mention the Lion King because then Rob will yell at me Hmm. but directed by everybody has a miss every now and then (laughs) directed by a bunch of people because it's a bunch of episodes dave filoni and taika waititi are the ones that i am going to mention even though there's more starring pedro pascal carl weathers werner herzog taika waititi ludwig goranson i just wanted to say that i don't even know who that is but i said it so there we call him sweet in your face So, Jimmy did not see this. Are you going to stick around for the review and all of the spoilers? No. You're not? I'm going to mute you guys. Okay. Well, mute away. We will give you the finger when we want you back. Can I? Okay. I'm just going to sit here and stare at you guys. It's going to be very comfortable, I'm sure. Rob. Yes. What'd you think? I loved it. Um, Honestly, I I thought it was absolutely fantastic from start to finish. It had that star Wars feel to me, mm-hmm. even if the, the plot is kind of already been done and it's kind of exactly what I expected it to be. Like the lone wolf and cub situation. Yeah. Where, well, you know, he's eventually he's, he's the bad guy or the bad boy or whatever, who, who goes by a code and, you know, the people violate his code and they're paying him to do a job, but he's not going to do the job because it's wrong. So he's got a very strong moral compass. He's going to stand up against the machine and he's going to end up being an enemy and in turn end up being the hero of the series. Yeah. And with, that's with that's flashbacks exactly. with flashbacks thrown in there to make it so you understand why he is acting the way he's acting. Right. Right. And it's and it's totally formulaic and it's totally been done before but it's friggin star wars and i absolutely loved it yeah okay so that is my first question well i already asked my first question technically i also loved it i watched it one and a half times um and we'll be watching it again when once my wife wants to watch it but 
did it feel like Star Wars? Like you said, it is it is Star Wars. It does have Star Wars characters. Did it feel like Star Wars more so than um, the most recent movie, the most recent main movie? It it felt like Star Wars. This is going to sound really weird, but it felt like Star Wars without feeling like Star Wars. Does okay. that make any sense? Is it because the like there's literally no characters that we know? There's right. alien types, and there's uniform types but there's no like luke skywalker or han solo or boba fett so i the first few minutes i was not put off but i was watching it with a very low volume Mm -hmm. because my wife was asleep i was watching it on about five i'm not happy with what's going on on the screen here you guys are so lucky that we don't record with video out there listening um, and there's like, like he walks into the, the bar and like, I couldn't hear any music and it was kind of like just him talking and I didn't know really who he was, but I was like kind of okay with that. Cause I'm like, well, we have eight episodes to learn who this guy is. And I was very much, I was, it was weird walking into a cantina in the Star Wars universe and not hearing the song. So, checking the volume, like, did I leave it down too far or whatever? But then beyond that part, I was right in the yeah, the sound effects, the the inexplicable mo- uh, giant creatures, all of that stuff, and it just throws you right into the story, and you learn what you need to learn to push the story along. Nothing more, nothing less, no midi Claridians. It just, you know, they don't explain too much to you. You just, he goes to get a ship. He leaves on a ship. It's, I thought it was really good. He's a bounty hunter. Yep. Hunting bounties. Yep. He captures people in carbonite. Yeah. And that's actually a big thing. He, you, you're watching a show about him. So inevitably you think he's the, good guy and an all-around good guy and he basically just captures the bounty and the the guy's like oh thank you so much because the guy's about to get killed basically mm-hmm. the alien yep and he catches him and you're like okay and he's gonna bring him to the thing and the guy's like oh thank you so much and you're like is this gonna be kind of like the comic relief buddy thing and he's like nope freezes him in carbonite and that's it yep not gonna worry about you for a while um the uh, th- this is not even a really a complaint i did find the the sea creature attack so they he lands a ship on ice and the sea creature there's a sea creature under the ice and basically they have like these speeders that take people out to their ships all over the place i thought it was a little weird that the guy that took him out there was like you know, don't walk on the ice or don't stay on the ice and then off in the distance you see him get eaten by the sea creature mm-hmm I thought it was a little weird that, like, this guy clearly has been doing this for a while based on the fact that is the way his speeder looks. And you just happen to be, your vision of him is him basically getting eaten by the sea creature that he's probably driven past 20, 30,000 times. Yeah. That, that, by that the was... way, I I recognized him right away. Oh, yeah. That guy from, uh, well, I know him from all the Sarah Silverman stuff, but um, he's been in a bunch of things. What was he recent in recently? I want to say, wasn't he the geologist guy in Big Bang Theory? Yes, the big, yeah. the big doofy Bert. one. Yeah, Bert something. Yeah, he was on the Sarah Silverman show. Mm-hmm. Um, he like 
played her like big gay friend. Her term, not mine. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was kind of it was fun. It was it was Star Warsy. Yes. Um, so, and then basically takes off. So let's let's kind of continue up here. Um, the story is basically pushed along with after he drops off the kind of introductory person, the yeah, introductory the bounty. bounty. He takes a bigger bounty, which is a lot more mysterious. And it won't give him a whole lot of details. Yeah. And it's kind of a tracking thing and so on and so forth. He goes to this planet and there's a really good gun battle. Yeah, that was, was a great long. scene. It was it was long. It was exactly if I was a kid, what I would be playing if I was a kid. No. Like, yeah. I would be there out there with my nerf battles, you know, falling off of playgrounds and blasting. It was basically a old school western battle with a bunch of weak ways or whatever alien species they mm-hmm. are trying. Mm-hmm. So clearly this bounty has a lot of guards. And it was just a lot of fun. <laughs> um, and then, and he also happens upon a was it an IG eighty eight or eighty one or whatever six I think yeah, which was or maybe eighty seven. I remember that toy being really like difficult to play with because like the legs didn't bend and stuff, and they kind of use that to its benefit where it would like twist all the way around and could like blast anyone in any direction. And when it was like stepping over people, it would like pivot its hips instead of like, mm-hmm. stepping. which is exactly how the toy used to move. I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. And of course voiced by Taika Waititi. Yes. It, the, the, the scene in question was, was very, very frenetic without being crazy it was just there was action everywhere blaster fire coming from all directions they even took hits it's not like these shows where like the guy stands up in a hail of gunfire and he's like bang 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 and he picks all you know he picks his targets and never and never takes a hit i mean yeah both the uh both the droid and the mandalorian had to had to dodge and and took took some fire and so it was it was pretty crazy and it was all over the place and I, I kind of got to like the droid un- mm-hmm. until I didn't like the droid. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll definitely cover that. So the, yeah, I thought that was really good. You know, when they, they hide behind this one column and like, well, they, you know, there were there was a little bit of fear where they're like, well, what are we going to do? You know, and the droid keeps on threatening <laughs> to blow himself up. It keeps trying to self-destruct. And the Mandalorian is like, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, stop it. It's like, we'll go down fighting. And then You're they, like, they float up this like cannon, basically like the snowtroopers bring out in Empire. Yeah. You know, but it's a floating one. So they bring that out, and the, the, I, the I droid is kind of like, "Okay, time to go." <laughs> no, stop. Um, and then they they kind of do a, a fun little like you get to see a little bit more of the Mandalorian's gear, where he uses his little grappling hook to kind of spin the spin the floating gun, and it's just a fun action sequence. Without yeah, with you're right, it's not like a frenetic. Transformers the action sequence it's a you know exactly what's going on there's nothing so crazy that you're like oh that wouldn't happen it right. was just it was good very did old you sport. did you question at all the weird hermit that was teaching him to ride the grobs or whatever the hell they're called and then he's you know and he was like no I will help you I have spoken <laughs> I was like what question that I thought yeah those things were kind of cool these like big basically walking mouths 
that he was writing. And there's a couple things that were funny with that. Like one, you, he, you yeah, know what it he, reminded me of? It what? reminded me of a cross between a dewback and the pig lizard from Galaxy Quest. Ah, it's a weird reference, but yeah, you're not wrong. I thought it was interesting. It was funny because he he calls him. This is where I was like, wow, this just gives you the enough information. Where they're like, he's like, oh, he did this. It's like, no, actually, it's her. They eat the males after they mate. And right. like, that's all you needed to know. Like, okay, this thing is more ferocious than you think. And let's move on. Yeah, he gets to he learns to ride this thing. So of course, there's your another Western reference: learning to ride something and. Yeah. Now, what I didn't understand was he had to learn it because there was no other way to get there. I'm like, he couldn't just fly there because I didn't I didn't see anything and they didn't address anything as to what would prevent him from actually flying there. Like anti-aircraft. Well, he did. Right. He did mention that he wanted to go in quietly. And he and then when he got there, the droid was there. He's like, well, so much for the for the uh, element, of element of surprise. Yeah. Yeah. But. We then I think we're going to close this out here. And I think, yes, is was there anything else you wanted to bring up? Oh, there's or, something else. Well, yeah, I mean, we're going to close it out with the big spoiler. So I wanted to warn the spoiler is here. And I if was you don't want to know what happens at the end of this episode. This is your last warning. Yes. And Rob, take it away. <laughs> we were watching it and both Jen and I at the end of the episode he he they find the bounty and it's it's in, a, it's it's like in, in this egg. yeah it's in like this egg thing and I'm like oh god it, because the the robot says there's a biological life form and I was like I was like all right and then it takes him to like this little egg thing and I'm like oh my god it's a baby they're going to do the whole infant thing and that's where the whole bounty hunter you know having the heart of gold and having a code and whatnot is going to come in they open up the egg and Jen and I at the same time well I started it she joined in I was like oh my god it's a baby Yoda <laughs> it is I think it was more than that is they open they open it oh. up. You knew it was going to be something small or, or something like that. But when they open it up, you just see the blanket and the little top of this little fuzzy green head. And they had been clear to say that it was 50 years old. Right. And then they pull down the, the blanket a little bit. and He's got these big soulful eyes. He's adorable. Well, what you see is before they pull the blanket down, you see like the top of his head and then the two ears sticking out the side. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yep. Oh my god. Now this is a big deal, more so because it's a I mean it's adorable. I actually, as they first saw it, I'm like, are they gonna be do like a baby hut? Because they did the baby hut in that one movie. Um, the one like Clone Wars movie. But I'm like, are they gonna do that? But then I saw that and I was like, wow, because I've told I told you this earlier. One of the things there's two things I've always wondered about Star Wars. Uh-huh. There's two things I've Googled about Star Wars a lot. And no, it does not involve Princess Leia in a bikini. You're a damn liar. You know you've Googled that. I said a lot. Uh, you know you've Googled it a lot. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anyway, so the other things I've Googled is what the hell does a Jawa look like underneath all of the mat, all of the clothes and stuff? Is that a mask with light-up eyes, or do their eyes actually glow? 
No one knows what a Jawa looks like under all the robes. The other thing is, what the hell is Yoda? We know he's what really ra- old. What race is Yoda? What race? Yeah. We know he's really old. Some people have said that that's just what humans look like at 700 years old. I lived in South Florida, as did Rob, so we have seen humans at about 700 years old. They don't turn green. No. No. Uh, so they never, they've never said what the race is. Even Lucas said he's just a magical creature. Now, Lucas also created another one, which was like Yolanda or Yo, Yohinda or Yo something from uh, – it was in the Jedi Council in the first Star Wars in Phantom Menace. But that was the only other quote-unquote Yoda that you've seen. So the fact that there's another Yoda – and this show does take place after Jedi, but before the most recent Star Wars movies. So that means that there's it, it, another well, Yoda. During, I, I thought I heard it was during the rise of the First Order. Yes. Yeah. So after it's some time after Jedi. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be very interesting to see what they do. I cannot wait for the next episode, which comes out on Friday. And you're dealing with like the remnants of the Empire, because those stormtroopers that the Mandalorian comes in contact with were Imperial stormtroopers. They weren't First Order. Yeah. They were they were all beat up and their armor was was banged and rusted and old and. Like they'd been through hell. Mm-hmm. Very gritty look to it, by the way. The, Which is the whole, why it felt like Star Wars to me. Yeah, the the whole the whole show had a very gritty look to it, and I liked it a lot. Yeah, it was it was really awesome. I would even with all the other stuff that we've mentioned about Disney Plus, I would pay six ninety nine a month just to watch the show. Yes. I was it was if there was any complaint, it was a little short, but it was perfect. It was exactly the cool thing about streaming is shows can be as long as they need to be. If you need six if you need thirty seven minutes for a show, great. Watch it. You know, do it. If you need to stretch it out to 45 minutes, awesome. You don't have to put in a bunch of filler. And right. I think they're finally realizing that with all these streaming programs. So, Watch it, guys. It's awesome. It is. Check it out. Jimmy, and and like subscribe to-, oh. to Disney+. Plus. I mean, what are you doing? Yeah. Jimmy, we'd like to introduce you back to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for that. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. So we're going to close out today with Rob and the movie that he introduced me to. Well, and I, I, what were we watching that I was like, that I was talking about robot? Was it, it wasn't, no, it was recently. There was a movie that we were watching that involved robots. And I was like, oh man, this kind of, no. Robo Vampire. This kind of reminds me of like the robot vampire and stuff or the robot, uh, robot spiders. And Craig was like, robot spiders. I was like, yeah, it's runaway. And he's like, oh my God, I got to watch that. I was like, maybe we should do that for our next show. And we did. We sure did. We did. And you know, this, this movie was a movie that I remembered from the eighties and I remembered it largely because of the robot spiders. I didn't remember anything else about this movie other than it starred Tom Selleck and it had robot spiders in it. And oddly enough, the robot spiders didn't have a huge role. No, you see them early and you see them late. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. I was like, oh, okay. So uh, give us the quick breakdown of who's in it, who wrote it, who directed it, all that stuff. So it's written, directed by the Michael Crichton. And it stars Tom Tom Selleck, Tom Selleck's mustache, Cynthia Rhodes, Gene Simmons of Kiss fame, Mm -hmm. Kirstie Alley, 
And it's basically set in the near future from the 80s, obviously. Uh, in the near future, a police officer who specializes in malfunctioning robots, which they call runaways, hence the name of the movie. When a robot turns out to have been programmed to kill, he begins to uncover a homicidal plot to create killer robots, and his son becomes a target. In the 80s, I've noticed from doing a lot of these, they have a really hard time summarizing movies. They pick like something that's kind of big, but not really the main point. Yeah, and I don't I don't think his I don't think his son became a target. I think his son was just like ransom to get him to do yeah. what they wanted. I mean, it exactly. wasn't like they were it wasn't like they were like, "Oh, let's go kill this kid." You know, it was mm-hmm. well, he's kind of got something I need. I need to take something of his so that he'll trade with me. Yeah. So, I have never heard of this movie, which is a shock because not that I'm the world's biggest Kiss fan, but I am aware of a lot of Kiss related things. I believe I've read Gene Simmons' book. Mm-hmm. Um, Why? And, <laughs> because it was all about marketing, and I read it when I was like a marketing student, just kind of a thing. And I, I you know, I was I was into the the rock and the metal, and I know they're not really metal, but you know, I just was. So I read that, you know, I Killer Robots eighties. Uh, future stuff like how i'm how the hell did i not know this and for the record i did determine this is our second killer robot movie in about a month uh chopping while being the other technically it's Mm -hmm. our really our third killer robot movie because of terminator so we do have an anti-robot situation going on here i would say i would say our fourth because of robo vampire but i'm still not even sure what the robot was in robot in robo vampire true definitely not a vampire robot or a vampire, a did robot it, vampire. Did it even kill anything? It killed the vampires. Let's not talk about that movie ever again. <laughs> okay. But anyway, it's also our second movie in the past we couple months. We won't talk about it again here. until we cover Robo Vampire 2. We will not be covering Robo Vampire 2. <laughs> I'm picking the movie next week. <laughs> uh, it's also or our second I'm movie not. featuring Kirstie Alley. The other one being summer school. So my thoughts are Kirstie Alley must be a killer robot. Oh, clearly. The logical path to take there. Jimmy, had you heard of this movie? No, but um, I remember the cover. When when I went to rent it on Amazon, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I remember that. Maybe I saw a little tiny clip of it, but other than that now and and in all honesty the movie wasn't half bad it, now, it started really bad and we'll talk about that yeah, well yeah so well let's talk about it now does anyone else have a does anyone else have any opening statements about the movie opening theses i i think i think jimmy actually made a comment uh when we were talking about the movie that it was Kind of super ahead of its time because it nailed a couple of things that didn't come out until later. Yeah, we're going to definitely talk about that later. We yeah. have a, an entire list here of the crazy stuff that it actually got right like, mm-hmm. for the most part. Tech at the time, but it's like, oh, hey, yeah. yeah, we use those things every single day. Um, so I've got some kind of opening comments on this. Man, the first five minutes of the movie did not make me want to watch any more of it. Um, where Tom is that the scene where they're chasing the robot through the cornfield? Yeah, 
And I'm yeah, like, there, why the did farmer they... moment that like, goes nuts? Yeah, why do they need cops to catch this adorable Wally type robot that's just <laughs> exactly gone off the path? And um, the dialogue, man, is Eva. <laughs> did did you guys pick up on some of the stuff that the farmers were saying? The farmers that were standing around watching these two cops kind of bumble around trying to catch this thing. A little bit. <laughs> fucking funny, man. Because they pick some good old boys from you know Nebraska, and they're like, "All right, go ahead and say stuff into this microphone." They're like, "Oh man, chicken, hey, having a hard time with that thing, man. <laughs> they have a real cowboy <laughs> out there. It's just so dumb." I'm like, "Oh man, this is gonna be really, really bad." And she she goes out, and his partner she picks up the robot and goes, "Yay!" And it was mm-hmm. that for me was one of those uh, Anakin moments. And the Phantom when he jumps off, uh, what's his name's desk and goes, yippee, like nobody says that. So I was just immediately thrown back to that. So, and uh, one of the first things I, I noticed, I was like, did they, did they actually make women police officers wear skirts in the (laughs) eighties? I was like, that seems so impractical, right? Because the the woman police officer in this movie wore a skirt like the entire movie and it and it wasn't like it was a free flowing skirt where she like had motion and stuff i mean we're talking like a pencil skirt i'm like what is that seems like that would cause a problem <laughs> uh that man over there just groped an aerial go arrest him you in the skirt go get him anyway continue jimmy yeah so um definitely didn't get off to a hot start it started off as a hot pile of garbage. And man, I was just waiting for Gene Simmons to show up. Had no idea what kind of character he was going to play. And uh, sure enough, he, he shows up and it's uh, it was a glorious moment after our hero responds to the double murder. <laughs> mm-hmm. of, uh, and, and we won't go, you know, step by step with this by any means, but there's uh, our first introduction to some future tech there, what they call a floater camera, which is a drone. Mm-hmm. We didn't see for 25, 30 years later in that incarnation, which was super impressive. Mm-hmm. And now, we see Jim, 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 the demon himself, Gene Simmons, show up. He shows up just like this. Yeah. <laughs> He, he, did, he always looks evil, whether or not he actually looks more evil when he's not wearing his makeup than when he is. You're like, oh, he's a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. His weird pompadour thing. Yeah, he's he's not a fabulous actor, but no, this was actually his first major role, I think. And last. No, I'm sorry. It was a second major role because they were in Phantom of the Park in 1978. No, it was not his last. He actually played an, a villain in another movie a couple years later. Huh. As well as his He certainly show. was a good villain. He was certainly very hateable. Yes. In this movie. I mean, and I, I can't say it's because he's a hateable dude. I He just played a very good villain. Mm-hmm. And I will say we did have a couple of people who showed up that I was like, oh, that's that guy. 
uh, the the chief from from uh, police academy. Yeah, well, yeah, he he played the captain in Police yeah. Academy. The, he was the chief of police in this movie, but he played the captain in mm-hmm. in Police Academy. Mm-hmm. But the buddy cop was also the buddy cop from Monster Squad. Oh, see, yep. we gotta. I wish there was a way we could actually inter- connect in all of these movies that we've been watching, like, and accidentally figure out w- how we've found these connections. Anybody out there at home listening, don't try it. Because God, you'll get to rub a vampire and you'll lose your damn sanity. <laughs> well, you'd have to figure out what seventeen movies. All right, all right connect here, connect here. Oh, you just break. Start one of those things with like the strings and all the pictures of different movie posters and like pinning stuff and making like charts and things out there. But anyway, <laughs> that was me hitting my microphone. Sorry. Yeah. So let's talk about this. We've mentioned future like? a couple times. This is actually kind of interesting. The rapper. Yes. No. Mm-hmm. So I wrote down with this. The future. Named future. The future looks a lot like the present, but with bigger monitors and shinier clothes. That was my, my takeaway as they were in the, the, che- the police station for like the first time. Now, if you look, it's technically not the future. It, it, it was an alternate, mostly an alternative present from 1984, 80s. from right. the 80s. However, if you really look, so th- there's a couple of things that, there's people that care about this movie way more than we do, although it's not bad. Really? So if you look at the one of the first comments, the first angry comments on IMDb in defense of the movie, uh, Mr. IMDb user Ambrosia1 wrote, One of the biggest misconceptions, I need to do nerd voice, I think. One of the biggest misconceptions about this classic sci-fi flick is that it is set in the future, in quotes, where robots are prevalent. Quite the contrary. The premise of the movie is, in a, is a world in which the development of robots evolved at the same rate of that of the home computer, becoming every bit as commonplace and mundane. This is revealed in the opening scene. Like, I would be giving this guy a wedgie if, I, if he was saying this to me in person. The opening scene where some small renegade field bots are described as using an 8088 microprocessor, the most common Intel CPU used in all IBM desktops PC that year, 1984. If this were the future, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So technically... Wow. This guy was actually a little bit right because Michael Crichton did say, we're doing a story that looks to me like how the world is going to be in just a few years. Many of the things in the film are, are supposed to be in the future are actually already here. And if you look at the computer screen when they're showing uh, Ramsey, who's uh, Tom Selleck, shows mm-hmm. him as being 35 years old. You hear him say that he's 35 years old and his birth year of 1956, which means that he is the movie actually takes place in 1991. So just to kind of to square away the future stuff. So according to the film, it's it actually takes place in 91 if you do the math. OK, I did not do all of this re- math myself. I did research on this because, yeah, I just did. So anyway, but still very impressive when we talk about the future check and you had a list of it. I'm not sure if you want to talk about it later Please on. Do. No, be- hit it. Go for it. Yeah, I mean. Sure. So um, on the list here, I have written down some things that whether in, you know, whether it was up front or whether it was just alluded to some of the the future tech that we kind of take for granted now. And we've got drones like I talked about. And I'd just say robots in home or home automation. Um, Alexa, I can't say it too loud. She's listening. Or, you know, Google Home or Siri, things like that. Uh, wireless earbuds. Mm-hmm. That 
that was a huge one to me because they don't pull out walkie talkies and, you know, talk like that or anything. They just whoop. And there you go. We do that every day, you know, uh, doorbell camera mm-hmm. ring doorbell cameras, hot, hot item this Christmas season on shark tank a couple of years ago. I thought it was really interesting that people were just walking up to the door and being like, Hey Bob, stop by. I just wanted to say hi, call me later. Like, you didn't have to go to the person's front door to deliver that message. Right. But anyway, that's what we have now. Cell phones, smartphones. Um, Kid was watching a movie in, on a tablet in his room, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Luther calls um, Ramsey from a mobile phone, and it's undetectable. Uh, we've got graphical interfaces. Uh, didn't debut until 1984, so 1985. They weren't so, available to, to right. the public. They first showed graphical interfaces. The first Mac was shown in 1984, so the movie had already been made. And mm-hmm. it, they didn't actually go out to the public until 1985. And yet the computers had them, which I thought was interesting. Self-driving cars. No, that was a, a big one. Uh, suspect sketch software, mm-hmm. which is another one. Retinal scans, retina scans. Uh, Greg, you if you go upstairs at your place of employment, you're going to see those outside of the executive doors. Mm-hmm. Which is why um, I am going to cut the eyes out of one of the executives so I can finally see what is in there. I mean, I'm sure if you knocked on the president's door, he'd be like, hey, buddy, come on in. Yeah, true. You want some coffee? True. You want some candy? Probably should not <laughs> cut the eye out of, yeah. Okay. Fine. Thank you. You've, you've talked me out of it. Nice guy. Uh, semi-automated. See me on cinema, cinema. Greg, say this last thing for me because I can't. Uh, back then, police carried revolvers. Mm-hmm. Like, almost exclusively. And these guys had semi-automatics, which was way well before its time. Which is interesting. So the movie in itself, it's... I thought it was very interesting that they had this whole police department dedicated to stopping renegade robots. But I also thought it was funny that everyone kind of looked at it as like, Oh, you got demoted down to this department or why would you volunteer for this department? It added kind of a different level to things, Mm -hmm. which I, I liked, but because it was fairly dangerous and everyone treating it poorly when they walked into a crime scene and there's like an entire family or group of people that had been murdered by their helper robot like oh these dudes have serious business to deal with and i guess the tom zella character and his mustache he went voluntarily to this thing because he had an incident where he is scared of heights and it got his partner killed Mm -hmm. yes and that's definitely like a movie thing where like the second you see there's a couple things in this movie that are very telegraphed which is weird because of Crichton's writing prowess. He's a really good writer. So there's a couple of things. Like as soon as you see that he's scared of heights, you're like, well, okay, you know where that's going. There's no possible way that's not <laughs> showing up again. This movie's going to end on a tower of some yeah. sort. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't think it was because he got his partner killed. It was that he, because of his fear, when it was unable to get to a place where a suspect had gone, and that suspect that night had gone on to kill five uh, people. Right. Sorry, sorry. I missed that. But also there's another telegraph scene. I didn't. I fucking loved it. I was riveted. <laughs> Where the, the helper robot that they have I in really the house was. that he basically leaves to babysit his child 
you know that that's going to play in later. Like, as soon as he's like, yeah, you know, whatever the, I forget what the robot's name yeah. is, but Lois. Lois. Pay attention, man. This movie was fantastic. I watched but, it a long time ago. But, but to uh, be fair, the, the robot in his house actually didn't have any kind of malfunction or anything. It just ended up, you know, getting killed by the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Which, okay, I feared that poor sweet Lois was going to have something go wrong with her and she was going to end up doing harm to the mm-hmm. family. But she was unaffected by whatever happened. Right, because one of the things that you learn Before as the her. movie progresses is that the robots that are being corrupted have had processor chips switched out that has changed their programming. They've been serviced by Acme Robotics. Yeah, and Gene Simmons. Which was the, which was the company that Gene Simmons... Fake represented. I think that he should actually just be called Gene Simmons in the movie, rather than whatever his character name is. Luther. Uh, Luther. Lucifer. Luther. Uh, it's an old name, Luther. <laughs> Comes to the door. I'm here to fix your robot. Are you Gene Simmons? No, Luther. No, I'm Luther Vandross. They're <laughs> just pulling random names out of the air. Um, so yeah, he's, he's out there. He's, he's pissed because of, uh, he invented some sort of, uh, technology that would be useful to the military. If I remember correctly. And I did pay attention. I just watched it a long time ago and I've watched like 800 Disney things since. And he then killed his team and was basically wanting to take this for himself and just got power hungry and decided to start killing other people as well with killer robots and robot spiders. And robot spiders, which is a big deal yeah. in this because everyone talks about the robot spiders. And as you said, they're not really in there very much. And I was trying to decide if they were scary or not. Yeah. So you think they were scary? As I, yeah. as a kid, I totally thought they were scary. Let me tell you why. Uh, they look like a, a cute drone. Rob, I cut you off. Go ahead. I was I was going to say, as a kid, I thought they were totally scary. As Watching it now, I was like, man, that's terrible. I, I mean, they... They kind of they kind of jiggle around a little bit, and you're like, "How do they even move?" I don't, you know, because their legs just kind of go up and down, and that's yeah, pretty much like it. There's little like robots that they sell for kids now that kind of vibrate. I forget what they're called, but the text little, bugs. Like, yes, that's that yeah, looks like those, but they've exactly. got like a giant spike on the front of them. But my thought was like, you could basically grab these and throw them very quickly away. Yeah, because they're not like they, gripping. They did show later their their incredible ability to jump, though. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. The, the the giant spike with the acid injection situation mm-hmm. yeah. was not exactly pleasant. No. But, um, it was definitely they, funny because uh, my wife and her spider situation <laughs> where she was like, oh, yeah, the robot spiders. And I was like, I was expecting robot spiders, not like a matchbox with feet. But nonetheless, I think a lot of it would be scary as shit. But the three that you saw, whatever, not not quite as scary as that. Well, the method in which they killed people—that was pretty. No, I was like, oh god, what a horrible death! Yeah. They would they would crawl up on your chest, they would like incapacitate you with the acid or something, and then they'd explode in your and, face. Well, then they would stick the needle up in your head, and then they would blow mm-hmm. up. That poor crime scene investigator oh. lady. Or that idiot cameraman. No, he, he got, got shot. shot. That's, yeah. that's something I got to talk. The one that just ran into the crime scene? Yeah. 
Yeah. They're like, oh, we've got our own cameraman, John, following Detective Ramsey into this home where two people have just been killed and a gun-wielding robot is on the loose. And he just walks in with the camera light, you know, blaring in. And he's just like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, nothing bad is going to happen here. Coughing. And, yeah, so he gets he gets blasted. And that was pretty funny, actually. Other than that, not a lot of humor. Not on purpose. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a funny movie. Yeah, not on purpose. It's unintentionally hilarious. Mm-hmm. Though. But if you've got an afternoon to kill and you're looking for something that's that's kind of entertaining and and sci-fi, maybe a little bit ahead of its time when it came out, it's not a bad movie. Mm-hmm. Now, you know who no, else really loved this movie? Who? Gene Simmons. Michael Crichton. Nikolai Ceausescu. Um, do you know who that is? I do not. He is a Death Wish. He is a a former Romanian dictator uh, who killed countless of his own people, and before he was then murdered. But uh, when he was, or not murdered, but he was overthrown, and then they put him on trial in 1989, and he mentioned this movie multiple times while on trial. Wow. He also uh, invoked Tom Selleck's name. Uh, before he was executed, which is, and he and mentioned the character in this movie before he was executed, which I thought was a very weird, poignant thing. I don't know why that was his favorite movie, but poignant or just crazy, kind of crazy. Uh, yes, I very much like Runaway. Tom Selleck gives my mustache. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's like what he did on the stand. Uh, pretty much, yeah. I'm sure there's video of it somewhere. <laughs> we have, I mean, we have a Romanian. No connection to robots taking over anything. It's just like, I very much like a movie. It's good. It's the only movie it's that made it. It's the, I grow mine like him. See? Yay. The only movie that made it over there. Yeah. Like, he would have not been a terrible dictator if, like, Short Circuit got over there. He would have been, like, really nice and stuff. I love robots. They give people hugs. <laughs> <laughs> I named my five children for Johnny. Johnny, one, two, three, four, five. Thank you, Jimmy. You're welcome. Murderous dictator. And now he sounds like fucking Borat. <laughs> I don't know what accent I'm doing. That's yeah, yeah, fine. It's speak of mustache. Yes, he has a very nice one. <laughs> But that's as good as I could do. So yeah, this, we have this sexy time. This movie, it um, it was it was enjoyable. I, I it was one of the Maybe. few of these movies that I could actually watch with my wife, and she was cool with it. Yeah, you know, most of the other ones I put I'll put on, and she'll walk by and be like, "Nope, <laughs> this not watching chopping or more. or what the hell are you watching?" Yeah, yeah, it's definitely that. <laughs> I don't don't know. Yeah, but this one. Was it was a fun watch with her? the The climax is a bit anticlimactic, and yeah, it, for this movie actually played watching it in retrospect. Now, if I watched it in nineteen eighty four, but all you do have to kind of look at all the other stuff that came out in nineteen eighty four. This was actually a pretty big budget movie. It just didn't do well. Yeah, like this came out over the same year as Terminator. This came out the same year as Gremlins and every other movie that Jimmy loves. It came out the same year as Jimmy, correct? 
Yeah, that's true. It's very nice here. <laughs> um, but watching it, it kind of plays now like it's a made-for-TV movie almost, or like a or like one of those one-off weird episodes of like a show like Hunter or something, Magnum PI for that matter, where they like decide to change things up and have them like, oh, you're gonna hunt robots for a little while. What? Hmm. So it played a little bit like that, and the ending was a little anticlimactic as a result because it was kind of like him versus the spiders, and then there was like this thing about the spiders being told to kill anyone that comes out of this elevator on top of this giant building, which is where mm-hmm. our height, where our heights come in. And it's almost so it's almost like you never really get to see Tom Selleck and Gene Simmons have that like big come up and battle. It's just more of an outsmarting situation. Yeah. Um, which was a because Gene Simmons was such a good villain, you kind of wanted to mm-hmm. see him go down harder. No pun intended there. Giggity. <laughs> Thank you. But that didn't make it any less of an enjoyable kind of weird anomaly from the 80s. So do we got anything else about Runaway? No, I think that pretty much covered it. I mean, other than the weird relationship between him and his new partner, the the <laughs> the kind of flirty but not really flirty kind of dense. Why don't you want to go out to dinner? I just got shot, you dumbass. Well, she was I, wearing yeah. a shirt. So. Well, that's true. That's probably why she got shot. Yeah. Or how we we usually see the male falling for the female the first time they see them. This was the other way around. Um, the kid in this movie, was it the same kid from flight of the navigator? Yes, it was. I was. Yeah. Yeah. Which came out the same year. I think, didn't it? I don't know what the director told this kid to do or be, but I thought he was so fucking annoying in this movie. He's like, huh, Papa, are you going to tell me about your day? Why isn't she coming over for dinner? You can't see my facial expressions right now, but it was just this overacting it was so mm-hmm. bad well, that is i wanted i wanted lois lois to kill him with his toothbrush well that when she went and snitched on him that is i think why tom Selleck was having his robot babysit his own child throughout the entire movie it's kind of like basically someone coming home so being she like, would kill yeah, him basically someone coming home being like uh, alexa watch my kid for me Okay. And by watch, I mean murder. <laughs> yeah, all day, every day, he deals with murderous robots, and he's like, Hey, Lois, watch my kid, if you know what I mean. Wink, wink. So. Which, Lois was just a, like a VHS player stacked on a Betamax player, stacked on an A-Track, stacked on a tape player. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's like someone tried to build... Still lovable. Someone tried to build R2-D2 by stacking a bunch of square things on top of each other. Cool. So this movie, we watched it on Amazon Prime. It was about $2.99, I believe. You do not need to get the high-definition version for $3.99. But if you want to check it out, feel free. Rob, is there a question from this movie? There is a question. And the question involves the very marvelous Tom Selleck mustache. I gotta work on mine. Yeah. So I think our question for the night is going to be, give me your five best mustaches in pop culture. This is a good question. This is a tough question. It was. I I still have more than five on my list. I'm going to have to pull some off. Oh, my so. God. Yeah. There was a, quite a few, and I was like, oh, crap. Like, my list was actually 100% different. 
before mm-hmm. I started thinking it, about it. It's really hard to omit mm-hmm. mustaches from this because there were so many good mm-hmm. ones that man, I had to leave this person off or, you know, so, um, how about I kick things off, gentlemen? Do it. I must ash you to do it. I was really hoping that one of you wasn't going to say it. Sorry. Of course you did. So starting with mine, my number five is a Mr. Wyatt Earp. Strong mustache, like like the actual and Wyatt Earp, the actual Wyatt it's pop Earp. culture. Number four, Doctor Robotnik. Ooh, I'm... a crazy big orange mustache. Okay. Number three is going to be um, all the Italian characters from Super Mario. <laughs> Luigi, I don't Mario. Know a better way to put it. Wario, Waluigi, all fantastic mustaches. Shy guy. Number two. <laughs> yeah. Number two is going to be Mr. Tom Selleck. Because it was fantastic. And it um, stayed with him. He never kind of broke character with that. By broke character, I meant never really shaved it. And though this number one has shaved his mustache, uh, it is iconic for all the right reasons. He is going through a very difficult time right now. Mr. Alex Trebek, you're always number one in my heart. Aw. A good list. A strong list. Thank Mostly you. different than mine. I actually had to look up Alex Trebek's mustache because I did forget about it. It's a very subtle mustache, but it's a good one. Yeah, some omissions were Kurt Russell from Hateful Eight. Mm-hmm. It's just a fantastic handlebar mustache and also emitting Walt Disney pencil thin mustache. Mm -hmm. So I guess I will go next. I I also have some honorable mentions. I went with Raleigh fingers as one of my honorable mentions. Uh, The pitcher for the Braves, which who was famously known for having the little, the the curly hue mustache, which I forget Mm -hmm. the name of it, but the Oakland Athletics, sir. That was the, I thought it was, really, it was, it was. Did he get traded around? I thought I had a card for him from the Brewers. I think he was on a couple yeah. of teams. Either way, him. Also, Weird Al, little pencil thin mustache there. But okay. those those got bumped. Then I'm going to move into Cheech. Uh, Cheech's mustache is well known because it is uneven, and it has that little like notch a little bit over to the side. So it makes it very recognizable and got him onto my list. Groucho Marx, the mustache so famous that they basically turned it into a gag that you can win at Chuck E. Cheese, the, the Groucho Marx glasses. What? Uh, you, uh, did you, you took a deep breath. I, I almost included him on my list until I saw a bunch of pictures on it and saw that it was not actually a mustache, but it was painted on his face. Yeah, I did see that. I saw a few on there where it looked it didn't even look painted it almost looked like like fuzzy squares of tape that were on there. <laughs> but yeah. i'm going to keep, yeah, I'm gonna the keep pictures, it on there yeah the pictures i saw looked like he just had like black paint smeared on his face it wasn't it wasn't actually a mustache it didn't look like it. i'm offended fuzzy squares of tape title of your sex tape <laughs> you are you are that's correct. the title of the episode fuzzy squares of tape <laughs> thank you uh 
Gomez Adams. Adams family having a little bit of a resurgence between the go- the mm-hmm. movie and like almost everyone I knew dressed up as uh, the Adams family for Halloween this year, which I thought was kind of interesting. So I'm going to go with that as number three. Mario already covered number two. Ron Swanson, the man, the mustache, the endless source of humor on Parks and Recreation. Uh, he's he's got my number one. The power of Ron Swanson is in the mustache. So that is my number one. Very nice. Rob, have fun. All right. Well, I as well have some honorable mentions. And this list was hard for me because I've got like, I don't know. So hard that he's actually turning away from his microphone. Can you not hear me? You're echoing. Oh, sorry. Okay. Because he has it all prepared on a desk next to him. It's very impressive. I I do I do. The, he wrote it down on the floor next to him. There there are um there are a couple <laughs> of honorable mentions that I have to include because and I did my list based upon uh specific characters from movies and and whatnot or you know specific people. Um my honorable mentions have to go to I absolutely loved the the mustache on Ben Stiller in Dodgeball. It was the the full, yeah, with the yeah. So he's an honorable mention. I've I actually ended up having to bump Tom Selleck off the list. So <gasps> Tom Tom Selleck is going to be an honorable mention. Tom Selleck and, didn't make any of. Oh wait, no, Tom Selleck made Jimmy's list as number two. Okay, and <laughs> and then I I went ahead and took one person off because there there's a movie that I think should be recognized as being a fantastic mustache movie. And, and that? one of one of the characters from the list actually, or one of the characters from the movie actually made the list, but one who got bumped off was Kurt Russell from Tombstone. Uh-huh. Tombstone was an excellent mustache movie, by the way. It's true. Um, everybody from oh, yes, from Wild Bill to Wyatt Earp to the gentleman who actually made my list, and he actually made the list because he's one of those ones who, anytime you see him, you see the mustache. Uh he was on he was on my list as well and got bumped down. Uh Sam, whatever Sam Elliott. That is correct. Sam Elliott is on my list and he is actually very high on my list. But at number at number five, I'm gonna go ahead and put Dustin Hoffman from Hook. Oh. And oh, I'm sorry, one more honorable mention, Mel Brooks. Oh yeah. With the with the super thin kind of pulled up mustache, uh as baseball. Spaceballs, yep. As uh, President Scrooge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he also did it in Blazing Saddles, didn't he? Or was he clean-shaven in Blazing Saddles? Uh, I'm not sure. Anyway, number five is Dustin Hoffman from Hook. Number four is going to be, I think, Donald Sutherland from The Great Train Robbery. Ooh. That is That is an impressive mustache. And... It's one of those ones that has like the chin shaved clean. So it's the mustache that goes into the mutton chops. And it's, it's an impressive mustache. If you want to, if you want to look it up, Donald Sutherland in the great train robbery at number three, I got to put Hulk Hogan. That's, that's an iconic mustache and everybody recognizes Hulk Hogan. Coworker of mine, when I asked him this question today, he, that was his. That was one of his. Mm-hmm. So Hulk Hogan's going to be at number three. At number two, 
I got I got to put Daniel Day Lewis from Gangs of New York with nice. that That's with that one. giant handlebar mustache that almost like goes out to the entire side of his head and curls back in. Yep. That's that is a very impressive handlebar mustache, sir. But at number 1, my favorite, the one I thought of immediately when Greg posed this question is Sam Elliott and his bushy mustache. Just mm-hmm. I, I I Sam Elliott to me does not look right without his giant mustache. Mm. And his wonderful buttery voice. I want to just listen to his voice and curl up in his mustache. Just I, take, I could listen to him do course commercials all day long. Mm-hmm. Yep. The bite with a bears. <sighs> that's the best thing. That's the only good thing about course, actually. Yes. So that's going to be my five. Excellent. Okay. I think that's it for this episode, correct? That's all we got. There is. I can I, I can so. do a little rant. A little oh, mini boy, rant. Rob, Rob is angry. Oh, yeah. Let's and it, it was something that I forgot about. But something happened the other day, and it kind of reminded me of it. And it happened when I was at Halloween Horror Nights. Wait, I was at Halloween Horror Nights with you. Did you it, were it? at Halloween Horror Nights with me. And I think I talked about this with you. I talked about it with somebody. I think it was with you. There is a certain etiquette involved. When you use a public restroom. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And now I know that women are probably unfamiliar with this. But one of the reasons that guys move in and out of the restroom so fast is because we we tend to have not just four stalls, but we also have like six to eight urinals. Now, there is a certain etiquette involved when you use a urinal. If they're full, you wait by the door until someone clears a urinal. Then you go to said urinal and you use it. And the next person in line waits until you clear the urinal and then they approach the urinal. There was an incident at Halloween Horror Nights where I was using the urinal and they're all full. So this guy is totally anxious to use the urinal. And, and you know, you start to shake all right, so you're making sure you don't piss on yourself or get any piss on your clothes, and you're cleaning it up. Drops of urine seeping exactly. through your, your exactly. underwear. Yeah. So I start to shake, and I put my stuff away because I don't want to get flagged for exposing myself to some little bastard kid who shouldn't be at Halloween Horror Nights anyway. I turn around, and the guy must have saw me start to shake. Because he's already standing behind me while I'm at the urinal, pulling his junk out. And I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) I'm like, look, I don't need to see your shit when I turn around. You need to wait until I clear the urinal, man. What are you doing? I I don't want to turn around and see some guy holding his dick behind me. (laughs) I'm like, no, just... No, back up. Back up. I stand by what I said, where you should have taken two fingers, licked them, and swatted it. <laughs> was like, and <laughs> and I don't know that I've ever had that. I, in fact, I know I've never had that happen before. Which is weird because earlier that night, I had a I had a guy that turned around to like look at me as I walked up and exposed himself to me as, it, and I told you about that as well. Same night, and I'm like, dude, no, you. <laughs> You need to back up. 
Maybe there was like a group of people, like some sort of event where the people just could not pee correctly and they were all there at the same I, night. I don't need you standing right behind me holding your junk. Exactly. All right. <laughs> you, okay. need to, you need to wait your turn, son. Wait your turn. Excellent. Jimmy, tell people how they can reach us to talk about peeing habits. Let us know what your bathroom habits are at Give Me Five Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can email us directly uh, pictures of your bathroom. No, habits. I uh, actually have a. a I want to. I have a plea for you guys, not you guys, but those guys out there listening. Uh, okay, we are willing to read your emails on the air and answer your questions. We on are. The air. So when we ask for emails. Um, you can definitely let us know if we can read them and we can, you can give us your lists of best things. You can give us other movies we could watch or your thoughts about certain movies, or you can tell me when I'm wrong, which is most of the time. So I, yeah, well, I want a lot of emails. So guys do not hesitate to contact us and let us know, you know, your thoughts. And if you want us to read the email. Yeah. That email address is give me five podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Give Me Five Podcast in all of those, it is spelled out F-I-V-E. So do please contact us there. Also, guys, we do have a store that you can check out at GiveMeFivePodcast.Threadless.com. I'll post uh, some pictures here. Uh, well, they'll already be posted by the time this comes out. I ordered a hoodie, a zip-up hoodie from the give me five podcast.threadless.com site and i absolutely love it i think i told you guys when i first saw you that it ran kind of small um other than that it is very very comfortable i could have gone with a large i'm not a not a really big dude um so i would say order a size up if you do get the hoodie as a result of that i ordered the gi joe hoodie in a heather green and i got an extra large Mm. as a result yeah, and I good. will order extra so, large when I get mine. Yeah, uh, definitely. The, you know, this one's a little tight. It's comfortable. It's snug. I like it. So some good quality stuff on there. It, you know, it's it's not it's not bullshit, and it's good priced as well. So check that out. Find us on our mother page at GiveMe5.Libson.com, and please do uh, leave us a review if you enjoy us. Well, what are we watching next week, Jimmy? You host next week. What what do you got for us? I am, and uh, I had something in mind, but um, I think I might let our guest pick. Oh, mm-hmm. so we're gonna, we're, yes. we're we're efforting a guest for next week. So we will let you know via these social media pages what movies we are watching. We'll I'll, I'll, on our yes. Instagram. I will stick up a picture of it, like I did this week. So yeah, we we do have a confirmation that uh, we will be having a returning guest to talk about some future projects. I'm very excited. I've yet to pose the question to this person. So uh, we'll see if they want to join us with that or not. And uh, if not, I do have a movie in mind that may involve killer robots. Excellent. Thanks for listening, guys. Good morning, good afternoon, and what you gonna do when Hulkamania in the Give Me Five podcast run wild on you, brother? Woo!
still the effects in this were far superior to 1995's Stephen King adaptation for television, The Langoliers. I forgot about that. If you want uh Oh, God, it's so bad. Directed by Tom Holland. Not that one. <laughs> Spider-Man? <laughs> he was like three. That's why it sucked. Not even. He was probably not even born yet. Probably not. Did he say something there? It looked like he put his headphones back on, came in and said something, and <laughs> left again. Yeah, uh, we've got no audio from that, but uh, I think his his child might be uh, having a rock and roll concert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mr. Raleigh Fingers played for the Oakland Athletics, San Diego Padres, and Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, Dennis Dennis Eckersley, another baseball player, had a very fantastic mustache. Uh, he was also left off of my top five. Hmm. I've got I've got to take two off it, and and I did mine based on not so much guys that actually kept their mustache, but on like specific movies and stuff. We'd like to welcome Greg back to the podcast. Hopefully, nothing burned down. That was the uh, apology for him being a fuss cadoodle earlier. Mm. Okay, woo. Woo! Oh, you fucking talked over it, bitch. Jesus Christ. Do it. <laughs> <laughs>